Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So hello and welcome back to a brand new DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and wherever you're choosing to listen to this show, thank you so much for inviting us into your lives to talk some Formula One. As always with the race previews, we are joined on the panel once again by Courtney Pine and Lee Wallington. And we are back once again to preview the Spanish Grand Prix, the second of what was meant to be a triple header, but owing to the events that we talked about recently in Imola, it became more of a double header rather than a triple header. And of course, everybody that is still being affected by what went down there a few weeks ago, I hope that you are all okay and getting the help that you so thoroughly need during a difficult time. Before we start with the preview, as always, we ask for your support. However, you choose to listen to this show. If you watch us on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe to the channel if you are new and get involved in the conversation in the comment section. We love to hear from you. We love it even more to talk F1 with you in the comment section. So do get involved. If you listen to this show on your favorite podcasting platform, please leave us a five star review. It really helps us out a lot. I know some of you guys might think, oh, it's probably not worth that much. But honestly, it really, really does. The show has been becoming more popular Many new people are listening to this show, and that is because of wonderful people like you that take the time, just a few seconds, leave us a five-star review. We really, really appreciate it. So, Courtney, let's come to you first. Um, Unfortunately, you weren't able to join us on the review of the Monaco Grand Prix. A lot of our followers were asking for your thoughts on Max Verstappen's performance at the Monaco Grand Prix weekend. Myself and Lee lapping a lot of praise on Max, deservedly so, I think it must be said, because... We don't often get to see examples of how Max can be doing a brilliant job in what is the most dominant car on the grid right now. And then there was a comparison to his teammate who had an equally difficult weekend. Um, What were your thoughts on the Monaco Grand Prix this weekend? And and in particular, how would you rate Max Verstappen's performance? Uh, Max was only there because he had the fastest car. 
I'm joking. <laughs> put, put the pitchforks and oh, torches away, go. folks. Uh, look, I've always said that Max is a fantastic driver. And sometimes, look, it ain't about me, but sometimes I find it frustrating when people like sort of come at me and go, you're a Max hater, this, that, and the other. Like, no, like from the very start, I've always known that Max was an exceptional driver. I was there at Spa in 2015 when Max was showcasing his talent in a tour of us, so for goodness sake. I know that Max Verstappen is a fantastic driver. My reservations are about his circle, let's say. I just want to get it clear about who I like, who I dislike. But I will never dispute how much of a fantastic driver Max Verstappen is. And it showed in Monaco because Monaco is more of a driver-specific circuit. The advantages that the best car have tend to be reduced in a track like Monaco. And as I've already said, the driver ability stands out. And it certainly did with Max. As you guys have already said, that final sector in qualifying was a masterpiece for Max. So, yeah, you have to give credit where credit's due. I've always said that Max is a driver to beat from this current generation. And what we saw from Monaco is a prime example of that. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go, guys. We got a response out of him. An honest, vulnerable moment where Courtney was honest about Max Verstappen. He's given him praise. So now you can leave off him for the rest of the season if he decides to <laughs> criticise him afterwards, for whatever reason that may be. Um, I, I appreciate that, Courtney, because I know sometimes, obviously being a big Mercedes fan, and obviously we all want the sport to be more competitive. I want Ferrari to be up there. I'm sure many people that support whichever team they are on the grid, whether that be McLaren, Aston Martin, Haas, or even Williams, we all want F1 to be more and more competitive. So appreciate that. Um, but let's move on, of course, whilst we've been lapping praise at Max Verstappen, surely the red hot favourite this weekend once again at Barcelona. I do want to move the conversation over to Sergio Perez, who, as we said already, had a very difficult weekend. And Courtney, I'm going to come back to you again on this mm -hmm. one because Lee and I touched on this in the Monaco Grand Prix. But heading into the Spanish Grand Prix, Perez now 39 points behind his teammate after a run of good form heading into the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and past that, it's been a bit of a nightmare for Perez. Yeah. Obviously, he had pole position in Miami. That got away from him owing to the strategy and equally his teammates' brilliance on the day. Monaco was probably one of the worst races he's ever had in his career. At this point, it seems a very daunting task. If it was the other way round and he had a 39-point lead, maybe there'd be more life to this. But is Sergio Perez, in your opinion, still in the 2023 World Championship race? Sorry, Sergio Perez fans, but I think he's already blown it this season. Um, I'm going to use... This is where people get on my case again. This is where I'm going to use the um, the year of Mercedes dominance. And you have a look at the difference between um, Nico Rosberg and Valtteri Bottas. Nico Rosberg was more able to challenge Lewis throughout the season because, generally speaking, Lewis was a slow starter. And Nico Rosberg was able to pick up the points, but 20, particularly in 2016, yes, Louis had, Lewis had his reliability problems, but Nico Rosberg was picking up and he, he took it to the next level and it it almost rattled Lewis. Lewis was a chaser. And this is what you need to do. When, you're, when your teammates were one of the best drivers in the world, you have to hit them early in order to give yourself a bit of breathing space. If you have a bit of an off weekend, that doesn't matter because they're still playing catch-up. Sergio Perez would have needed to have done that. He would have had to have won, I'd say, uh, definitely, obviously, a lot more races than Max Verstappen to give himself that breathing space. But I just feel that what's happened in Monaco 
has completely sort of ruined that for him. I think it's going to take something special now for Sergio Perez to beat Max, particularly given the situation where it's only really likely going to be one or two drivers winning a race. So if there was a bit more of a mixed up grid, if Sergio had a good weekend and Max had a bad one, there might be more points available. But now it's only a seven or eight point swing per race. It's just quite a mountain decline for Sergio from this point going forward. Yeah, I mean, there is an element to this where we look back at what happened last season and Red Bull were in a different situation with Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Both of them were going after Charles Leclerc, who was the championship leader at the time. And Red Bull made a big call in the Spanish Grand Prix. They asked Perez to move aside to allow Max to overtake him easily. And Max used that to go on, make the strategy work, won the race comfortably, albeit inheriting the lead because Leclerc's reliability issues were starting to unravel as his season was going along. And from that point onwards, it seemed quite clear to all of us watching that Max Verstappen was very much the horse that Red Bull were backing in this championship race. Fast forward a year, despite Perez having a very good start, the last couple of races, it has started to come away from him a little bit. Red Bull haven't had to get involved, despite some cynical opinions suggesting that something's going on behind the scenes. We always get that with these rivalries. There's always something that someone believes is going on behind the scenes and you can make your own mind up as to how no. you see that. This, As I said, this season's a bit different and I think it's about belief at this point. I made a point a few minutes ago where I said if Perez was 39 points ahead of Max Verstappen, there is a glimmer of hope that Perez could hold on to this margin, hold off his teammate until the end of the season and try and win the championship that way. With it being the other way round, I would start to question as to whether or not Sergio Perez still believes he can win this world championship. Given from his reaction following the Monaco Grand Prix and assessment of his own performance, I'd be slightly doubtful that he's 100% confident that he can still win this championship. I'm sure he still believes it, but there's a conviction to that belief as well. Um, I mean, Lee, can what I, are your can thoughts? Can I chip in with one more point oh, sure, as well? Yeah, sure, of course, guys. I think like the other thing was, like again, going back to the Mercedes dominance, reliability was much more of an issue. As of now, these cars are like... They're almost indestructible. Like if you think about it in Monaco, there's 18 finishes in in a chaotic race. The engine seems to be super reliable. So Sergio can't even rely on some luck with reliability on the other side of the garage to um close in that gap. I just feel it's gonna be very difficult for him. Yeah, very true. Uh Lee, did you want to weigh in on this one? Uh, I do do agree with you both that unfortunately, as much as we would like to have a close championship. Um, Sergio is now out of it as much as he obviously he believes that he can win the championship because obviously as we, I said on the previous episode all drivers believe in themselves and the skill set that they bring to the table they have to believe they're the best in the world but realistically he's not going to be in a position to make up a 39 point gap he will close the gap but then Max will open it Max will open it Max will open it He'll close the gap. Max will open it. Max will open it. And it, that's the rest of the season. There, It's very unlikely that he's going to overturn a 39-point gap. Albeit with the 17 races or so we've got left, it's unfortunately, um, that's it. Sergio is blown up. Well, that's the positive spin. There's 17-odd races to go still. So there's plenty of time to turn things around. 
in this championship. And we were talking about a guy here in Max Verstappen that has finished in the top two in every single race so far this season. And I know people will say, oh, well, you know, it's easy to do that when you've got a car as dominant as what they've got. All he's got to do is finish and he'll finish in the top two. As we've seen at times this season, just because you have the machinery to do a good job doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen for you. You still have to do it. And Max will believe in himself more than arguably anyone else on that grid, maybe with the exception of Fernando Alonso, for example. Perez, on the other hand, he he has the data. He knows what he's up against. And that, in a way, that is a mental battle to deal with on its yeah. own. You know, who you're up against. And I think we can all agree, you know, there have been weekends where Perez has been very good this season and won races. But at the same time, I don't think there's been one this season where we can put an asterisk against it with respect in regards to something happening to Verstappen or something's not gone quite right for him. It's not been an, a 1v1 battle and Perez has bested him on merit without anything going his way, for example. Not trying to take anything away from him, but I think we have to be realistic uh, in how we assess this and, and how we've got to this position. But let us know in the comments, guys, your thoughts on that one. Is Perez still in this championship? If he is, he's going to have to win this weekend and get started on that because uh, he doesn't want that gap to get any wider. Moving on to the next topic of discussion, guys. One story that has been doing around for as long as probably almost a year now is the reprofiling of the final sector. They've decided to remove the chicane, one of the most loathsome sectors in the entire F1 calendar. They've got rid of that. They're reverting back to the fast-sweeping right-handers. And this is going to be quite exciting. So the question is, what are your thoughts on that removal of the chicane at the final sector of the Spanish Grand Prix? Will this improve the racing at Barcelona? Lee, let's go to you first. Firstly, finally, they're removing the <laughs> chicane. Um, Emphatic enough? Bye-bye. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> from a personal perspective, in like Formula One games, I hate that final chicane. I can never master it. From it, so memory. I'm forward to the future games where I don't have to deal with it. From memory, so you I'm used to happy. cut that anyway. I saw the footage. We used to do uh, the co-op uh, seasons. You used to cut the corners there. I remember seeing that. Uh, I think your memories are incorrect there. I don't, I don't remember doing that. <laughs> I was always on the track. For those curious, Lee and I, we had a Max and Perez dynamic. And, you, well, no surprises for guessing which one was which. But I'll leave that up to you oh, guys in the you, comments. Adam. That's very nice of you. <laughs> Gracias, Checo. <laughs> 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 um no but it, the i'm very pleased that it's gone um i i don't i obviously understand why they brought it in but i've never been a fan of it um in regards to improving the racing obviously the cars aren't as fast as they have been in the past um we already know red bull's gonna ha have a super powerful drs on that the back straight so it won't really affect red bull but to the other teams what a surprise yeah <laughs> uh, the other teams here, I think it will improve the racing into the turn one. What do you reckon, Courtney? Yeah, you know what? First of all, Lee, I was surprised. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you mentioned the game. I was like, goodness sake. But no, look, it's gonna it's gonna improve the racing massively. I, I remember the most frustrating thing, like about what like the Grand Prix itself, is watching the onboard footage. So you have like I don't know. Let's let's say Lando Norris and Antonio Giovinazzi. Lando's catching Antonio. You get up to the chicane and go, right, he's going to get him this lap. And because of, obviously, the 
the instability that the dirty air causes the car behind. It just calls like let's just say on in a situation calls calls Landis have the slightest wiggle and absolutely upset the car on the build up to that um to long straight and completely mess up the chance. So now we're gonna get rid of that goddamn chicane, and it should in theory minus the Red Bulls, but it happens every week every week anyway. It's gonna definitely add to a fantastic race weekend and. It's going back to the point I've made this season. Minus Red Bull, we have a lot of close battles on, on the grid. So in theory, we always have the same theory, we should be seeing a lot of exciting racing this weekend. And it's weird to say that going to Barcelona. Yeah, it's a circuit that I think has not necessarily needed a revamp, but we've gone away many years now and other F1 fans in modern F1 have often cited this circuit as a test circuit yeah. or a circuit that's not suitable for Formula One. And admittedly, it was originally built for MotoGP racing. It wasn't designed for Formula One racing, and it has become a test circuit. And as a result, we've had many races where, in a way, it behaves a little bit like a street circuit. I think Fernando Alonso earlier this season was saying, if I don't win in Monaco, I'd fancy trying to win in Barcelona, not because it's his home circuit, although that is an element to it, but also because of how difficult it is to overtake. And that third sector has been a huge contributor as to why it's been difficult to overtake, particularly into turn one. So removing that particular area and slowing the cars down, which gives the car in front an opportunity to get out of that traction zone, get further down, go through the final corner at full speed and be able to defend, that's been taken away. And I would be surprised, even in these modern, super-powered, high-downforce cars, that you'll be seeing anybody, even the Red Bulls, going through that final corner at full speed. And that's where the element of jeopardy or the difficulty comes into it. And that's where those that have their cars balanced and set up properly and have the speed to match and the skill, you know, there's an element of skill to this as well. Of course, we're talking about Formula 1 here. That's where we're going to see some overtaking and there's some exciting racing. I'm really looking forward to it, um, especially given that this is a, a section of the track which used to exist many years ago. It's been brought back. And from memory, the only driver that I can think of on the grid right now that has actually driven on this current layout is Fernando Alonso. Yeah, it's 2006. It, was, mm. um, it changed. Yeah, so... There's a little bit of excitement to whet your appetite with if you're looking forward to this weekend's race and wanting a close, exciting race. Um, but let's talk about, as we're moving on to the next part, we might as well talk about Aston Martin. And mm -hmm. there was a lot to unpick from the Monaco Grand Prix. Some delighted with another P2 and a strong performance from Fernando in particular, despite the difficult conditions. There was also another element of disappointment at the missed opportunity that was perceived to have been uh, made from Aston Martin owing to that pit stop when the uh, conditions were changing. Now, a lot of people have gone back and forward talking about this particular moment, wondering, did they miss the opportunity? Was the data suggesting that there was time to make the stop and they would have overtaken Max Verstappen? Conflicting reports and contrasting opinions aside, it was still a great performance from them. However, the one constant issue that they seem to be battling with right now is the fact that they only have one driver delivering on the performance and calibre of the car that they have right now, Fernando Alonso. And it shows in the Constructors' Championship. Current situation, Aston Martin, only one point 
behind Mercedes. Fernando's been on the podium five times out of six this season. Mercedes have been on the podium once. And yet, both their guys are doing the business. So the question I want to put to you guys on this one right now, will Lance Stroll cost Aston Martin P2 in the Constructors' Championship this season? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say not only would it cost them P2, but I think it also cost them P3 because there is a close battle in behind Red Bull. Yes, Aston Martin have been good, but I feel that the main Aston Martin story has been the performances that Fernando Alonso has been putting in. It's, it's Alonso's, you know, sheer talent that's been, you know, getting the very best out of that Aston Martin. And you have a look at Mercedes and Ferrari that aren't actually too far beyond a raw performance. Mercedes have obviously, I, I feel they have the best driver lineup on the grid. I feel that Ferrari, they have so much potential, particularly with Charles Leclerc. Mac, um, Carlos Sainz has proven to be a reliable driver, still not quite the finished product, but overall, they're going to get enough points between them, I feel, to get ahead of the Aston Martin. And it's simply because Lance Stroll hasn't been good enough. I was I was hoping to go on a rant in the last episode. Unfortunately, my technical difficulties put a stop to that. And at the beginning of the season, I don't want to be too harsh on Lance Stroll because of the accident that he had. We're now fully in the groove of the season and he's simply not doing enough for the position that Aston Martin in. If they were in the usual midfield position that they're in, there wouldn't be as much at stake. But now you're talking about, you know, big prize money that they could potentially miss out on because of the nepotism that goes on in that team. Out of curiosity, because and this is completely random, because mm-hmm. people that are listening to this on the audio-only platforms won't be seeing this, but is there any reason why you're wielding a PS4 controller right now, Courtney? Yeah, because it keeps my lighting going. Ah, fair yeah. play, fair play. Well, there you go. Man of many talents. <laughs> I'm worried... I'm worried now because my PS4 controller isn't too far away from my groin. So I'm hoping you're not seeing my groin. Um, I can honestly say as a mate of 20 years that I am not currently looking at your groin right now, Courtney. You can't see <laughs> Well, that's a relief so because people... I'm not going to lie. I, I am going red. Maybe we can have a separate I'm... stream for you, Courtney. So yeah, I'm going... I mean, look. I'm, 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 go- I'm going as red as your beloved scarlet ferrari adam i tell you i am blushing well there i mean there is a platform out there which caters to people of a certain interest in that regard this is not one of them what only f1 fans ah there you go that's niche (laughs) the less said on that one the better corner if you want to run with that we'll uh see how that goes another time anyway moving swiftly Uh, along i'm gonna hide myself behind a rock yeah why not um lee Lance yeah, Stroll. Um, um, going back to your yeah. question, Adam. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that Lance Stroll will end up costing us my P two. Um, and the reason I say this is, you could make an, a case that Aston Martin cost the win in Monaco. He was on the intermediate tires to gain gather data for Fernando, and he on his lap times go back. These these aren't the right tires, so Aston Martin pulled them in and put on the dries. If Fernando was out on those intermediates, he won. Yep, these are the right tyres. Um, and then uh, Stroll would have been pitted and put onto intermediates. So you could make a case that Stroll made, because of his poor performance on those tyres, cost Fernando, or gave the wrong, incorrect information to the team, which then cost Fernando. There's just a, just a thought that I've, I've, I've had a few weeks, so it is worth pointing out there. 
Um, but overall, his performances haven't grabbed fun. As Courtney already said, we've got capable drivers in the Mercedes and in the Ferrari who may not be world champions. Well, obviously, uh, Sir Lewis Hamilton is a champ- world champion, but the other three aren't. Sir Lewis, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the they're very capable and they can bring back the points and they are there to pick up the points when one of them trips over. Um, unfortunately, Lance isn't there to pick up the points when Fernando trips over. Not that he has yet, but he's not there. And that's going to cost them. And unfortunately, the Mercedes and Ferrari, because they, the gears are already turning. They're, they're going to be using their resources. And they might, yes, there's the, um, the cost cap. But the experience and the might of those top teams will catch them out by the end of the season. And you need both drivers up there to bring back the points and get the early advantage. As uh, uh, Courtney mentioned in the Drivers' Championship, Aston Martin should be driving home this early advantage in the season that they've got over Mercedes and Ferrari, and they're not. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Right now, the, the championship table doesn't lie. And you look at the even the Drivers' Championship right now, you look at the gaps between the two Merc drivers, the two Ferrari drivers, I mean, Leclerc and Sainz are six points between them in Sainz's favour. Hamilton and Russell is 19 points in Hamilton's favour. And, and, you know, the cynics out there can say, oh, well, if Russell hadn't had the reliability issue in Australia, the gap would be much shorter. And that's probably a fair point. Then you look at Alonso and Stroll. The gap between them right now is 66 points. That's mental. And not only is it the largest gap between teammates at this point in time in the championship, Right now, other than with the exception of Nick DeVries and Logan Sargent, who are obviously driving for Alvatari and Williams respectively, so they've got no points whatsoever. I'm pretty certain Lance Stroll, if he isn't the next one after them two, he's very close to having the smallest proportion of points scored for his team than any other driver on the grid. And that is a worrying statistic right now for Aston Martin. Even Ferrari, with all their hiccups and car issues and strategy blunders and driver errors, they're still only 30 points behind Aston Martin. And Alonso has been equally fantastic as Ferrari have been clumsy. And they're still potentially one great race away from overhauling them in this Constructors' Championship. And that has got to be something Aston Martin are going to worry about right now. Because as great as Alonso has been, you'd imagine the law of averages suggests he's not going to be on the podium for every single race of the rest of this season. That being said, we said Red Bull weren't going to win every race this season. And right now that looks a certainty also. So what do I know? But there's a moment of this season, which I think sums up this situation. And I remember the commentators going, oh, wasn't it nice of Alonso to, you know, help out Lance Stroll? You know, he was, you know, he's such a, you know, he's, he's so good. He has the time to, give advice to your teammate if you're on the other side and i don't know you're any self-respecting driver you would be embarrassed that your teammate is giving you advice on how to go for because it wasn't going to go faster because it wasn't even subtle he was like straight up on the radio going here look last this is what you're doing wrong and this is how you do it and i i just feel look i, I get the gesture i understand he wants to get maximum points for the team as well and I think that Lance Stroll, I could be wrong, I think Lance Stroll was behind Lewis Hamilton at this point. So I'm sure Fernando Alonso would have liked to have seen Lewis Hamilton get overtaken. But I, I, I just find that embarrassing that there's clearly such a... Right now, there's such a gap in ability in these two drivers that you've got one driver. And we all know that, you know, teammates are so competitive with each other because 
you know, your your biggest role, generally speaking, is your teammate. From Fernando Alonso's perspective, if you're willing to give advice to your teammate, psychologically, that, that proves that he doesn't see Lance as a threat in any shape or form. Maybe. Maybe he has clauses in his contract to give him driver coaching whilst he's doing the business himself. <laughs> I don't know. The key for Lance, in my opinion, is qualifying. He has to get that right because if you get a good qualifying position, you haven't got to worry about making up ground in the race. And in the last few races where Lance has really, really struggled, he's been knocked out of Q1 or knocked out of Q2. You know, Aston Martin last... He's qualifying. Yeah. Well, we say you're yeah. wet qualifying, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, is he going to get that in Spain? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, the weather suggests probably not. But... Yeah, right now, he, I think he's got to now qualify. And as I said, last season, Aston Martin wouldn't have mind a Q2 appearance. This season, that is nowhere near good enough. It shouldn't be. And Lance is a better driver than that, at least in my opinion. Um, you guys in the comments will make your own opinions up on that one. As to what you think. Let's move on to the next point. Ferrari, bringing some upgrades that we've been hearing. This is um, meant to be the whole batch of upgrades that they were meant to be bringing for Imola and Monaco and Barcelona all together. I know they brought some stuff for Miami as well to sort of see things out and they thought that was actually quite good despite the fact that they weren't very competitive on the day. Ferrari seemed quite buoyant and confident that these upgrades are not necessarily going to resolve the issues that they've been having this season, but it should help them move in the right direction to sort out a long-term solution for this in the same way Mercedes are with their own issues. Fred Vasseur has been approached for comments on these upgrades. Are Ferrari pursuing a similar direction to Mercedes and going to a more Red Bull-like concept or trying to adapt something for their own interest? Or are Ferrari going to persist with what they're currently doing right now? Fred Vasseur has reportedly said that it would be a mistake to abandon the concept that they currently have right now try it without trying to see if it can definitely work and go down the Red Bull route. So my question to you guys is, do you think these upgrades are going to work for Ferrari or are they just going to come unstuck and by then it will be too late to try and catch up to Red Bull by then? I think they'll work, but I just feel that particularly this season, I, I can't see anybody catching up for Red Bull. They they just seem to have so much extra time in their pockets. Adrian Newey's just got this whole, you know, this whole era of F1 cars down to a T. The ground effect cars... That's that that that's his main thing. That's his main strength. So I think it's going to take an awful lot to catch the Red Bull. Um, I I I feel that it'll close the gap to maybe a bit more of a respectable gap behind the Red Bull. And it, obviously, I I just feel the development war will build up now between Mercedes and Ferrari, rather than you know Ferrari or Mercedes being able to challenge for race wins. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the issues that Ferrari have been having this season, tyre degradation and the consistent stability of the car from one part of the track to another has been a big issue for them. They've reported oversteer in one area, understeer in the next. They can't make their tyres last. Even at a track like Monaco, they were suffering tyre deg issues to a certain degree, particularly with Charles Leclerc. It's an area that if they don't, if the upgrades don't provide a desired effect this weekend, Ferrari are going to be massively exposed on a track like Barcelona. You can't hide a car's weaknesses at a track like Barcelona. So for them, I, I think at the very least, they need to try and hope that some of the issues they've been having are mitigated to a certain degree so that 
you know, this isn't a car that they need to qualify well with on a Saturday to try and get a decent result on a Sunday. Ideally, they'd want it to be the other way around. So there is a lot of pressure on them to get this right. And with that pressure comes expectation that by 2024, Ferrari are going to be back in the fight again. Now, if these upgrades don't work and Ferrari are already behind even the likes of Mercedes on 2024, it's not a good sign if they want to try and win races and win a world championship again, considering the position that they were in last season, where they were very much in that conversation. Lee, what are you expecting from Ferrari this weekend? Do you have confidence that they can get into the podium picture? Because that seems to be the best chance for them right now. I I think they're, with their going into the concept, starting, or starting with the concept situation, they were in a different position than Mercedes. Mercedes were lost completely and have been since last season. Um, Ferrari had a concept that worked last season and then obviously there was the rule change after the summer break that sort of caught them out. Um, but they were they had a working concept that was capable of kept matching Red Bull in the early part of the season. Going to next year, Red Bull have taken the step and Ferrari haven't. But the concepts that enabled them to fight Red Bull was still there so they could have confidence that actually this is we just made a few mistakes we got a bit lost but we our concept worked we were fighting them last year we can close that gap we can we know where issues are and we can work on it where Mercedes is like well, I don't know what I'm doing I'm, I go and change <laughs> go and change it and sound and like a Ferrari again. strategist there might be a job there Dave well there is one going soon as soon as uh, Ferrari allowed uh, Lauren Meeks to move on to Alfa Tauri and obviously that you know uh, stalemate with Red Bull over the engineers they won't let go the other way and all that so yeah you might be within a chance there if you want Lee I'll send my CV across Um, (laughs) let's see what happens couldn't hurt (laughs) (laughs) Um, so uh, sticking with it um, I I think for them it was probably the right choice but on their upgrades I think they'll they'll be uh, pleased with how they would perform. I think it's. I don't think they've gone down the wrong route because they've had time to analyze. They're from the earlier season. Haven't rushed them through. Um, they've they even delayed them to get a better picture. Obviously, the Emila helped them delay it, but they've delayed it so they've understand it more and they can bring it to a good, nice, solid test track to understand. Uh, and and obviously compared to previous seasons. So I think they'll be ple- um, pleased with how their car will be performing this weekend. It's certainly the hope that kills you, life as a Ferrari <laughs> fan. So uh, we'll have to live in hope and see what happens. Uh, I, I, honestly, the, all these phrases like next year, live in hope. I've been hearing it since 2008. Yeah, and not necessarily <laughs> from Formula One either. There's other sports that can weigh in on that too. But I digress. Um, I'd love to see a great weekend for Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, of course, at his home circuit. So uh, hopefully those guys can have a more trouble-free weekend and Sainz hasn't got to worry about coaching from his car to the pit wall rather than uh, just driving the car, which of course is what he's paid to do. Let's move on to the last question before we do our predictions. Of course, a new format for our preview is the predictions element of it. We won't keep you waiting any longer on that one. But first, before we do... A question on Alpine. And the question is, after strong results in Miami and a podium in Monaco, do Alpine finally have the pace to challenge the top four teams outright? Who wants to tackle that one? Uh, I don't want to uh, 
pee on anyone's parade, but I'm going to say no. I think they can be the best of the rest after, well, we have Red Bull, and then you'll have Aston Martin, Mercedes, and Ferrari, which I feel will be fairly close. And I think that Alpine will be behind them. They've definitely made a step forward, but I don't think the changes that they've made have been miraculous. I do feel that Monaco can be sometimes misleading because it's just very easy. You know, when you get stuck behind a car and you end up feeling the turbulent air, it can ruin the race. Obviously, Barcelona offer us a lot of answers, not only for Alpine, but some of the other teams around them. But I do still feel with this point, they've got work to do to catch up with the guys in front of them. What about you, Lee? I completely agree with Courtney on this. Um, <laughs> it's just uh, it's exactly word for word what Courtney said there. Thank it's, you. <laughs> um, they've had a bit of a troubled start to the season. So having a clean race probably helps and that's all they need to do be having another clean race. But from performance-wise, I don't believe they're on the scale of the top four teams yet. Yeah, they're in a bit of a, not necessarily a purgatory position, but they're in... They're in Alpine land. Yeah, Alpine land. That's a nice (laughs) way of putting it. Nice Alpine P5. Obviously, it's not where they'd want to be, but it's a nice happy medium. They're a long way away ahead of the chasing pack, but they're still quite a way behind the top four teams. Of course, you know, on more difficult weekends, like we've seen for Ferrari in particular, and on the occasion Mercedes, Alpine can certainly be a match for them and beat them. You know, they beat one Aston Martin almost every week at the moment. So, you know, the other one is a bit further away. But That's the one they want to beat as well. Oh, yeah, of course. That's the one they definitely want to beat. Yeah, there's a lot of pride in uh, taking on that particular Matador. However, be it yet, the closest Ocon has got to Fernando is on the Monaco podium. So uh, be that as it may. But, of course, we can't discount how good the drivers have been of late. Gasly was very solid in Miami, very solid in Monaco as well. You know, up until the rain came, he was doing a pretty decent job, you know, fighting George Russell and keeping Leclerc at bay to a degree as well. So he was doing pretty well there. Ocon's podium in Monaco. I know people say, you know, oh, if you do well in qualifying, all you've got to do is not crash at Monaco and you'll most likely keep the position that you started in. Whilst there is a pretty decent element of truth to that, it's very much easier said than done to not make a mistake in Monaco. And Ocon was flawless last weekend and he thoroughly deserved that podium. And you don't fluke that. Only very, very good drivers are able to pull off what he was able to do with the pressure that he was having the whole race where he had a Ferrari in his mirrors or a Mercedes in his mirrors, where it was Sainz or Russell or Hamilton, you know, no mugs by any stretch. So I think you've got to give Ocon credit where credit is due. He did the same thing in Hungary where he kept Vettel behind him the whole race. And, of course, trying to deal with the ever-growing threat of Hamilton being three or four seconds faster than everybody towards the end of the race. Just about managed to keep that at bay. So you have to give him credit where credit's due. Um, on a more whimsical note, how how would you guys interpret how Lauren Rossi is probably feeling right now? Because it was only a couple of weeks ago where he publicly slated his team to any media outlet that would listen to him before the Miami Grand Prix. And since then, they've got a couple of great results. Now, of course, completely coincidental, you know, Lauren Rossi, given the hairdryer treatment, as we often hear associated with other sports, is not going to have the same effect as it would do in those sports. You know, you don't just turn up, destroy your team publicly in a verbal manner, and then the team think, oh, we're actually going to sort things out. The car's automatically faster. We get the great results. So 
how would we be interpreting all of this right now? Because he's probably feeling pretty good about himself, given how things are going. I advise him to follow the example of, um, Adam, you'll know this one. You know the clip of the old Southampton manager? Was it Hassan Hootal? So it was probably oh, yeah. oh, I know where you're going with this. I like this. Yeah. So, do you know when he celebrates, he goes, calm down. Yeah. That's what he needs to do. Because, yes, they've got great results in the last couple of races. But just a humble prediction of mine is that I feel that if they're getting ahead of themselves, they will be getting humbled pretty quickly in Barcelona. So enjoy the moment, but don't get carried away. Yeah, very, very true. Um, what about you, Lee? Well, my more cynical view would be uh, I knew they could do better. I'll give myself a little bonus. I'll go off on a <laughs> holiday. Lovely. That's my job done. And then they perform badly and it's, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> well, it's kind of how the team would look at this as well, isn't it? Because I could very easily see a scenario where Lauren Rossi, not to attack him, but he'd go into the Endstone factory walking around, feeling pretty smug about himself, putting his arm around people, saying, look, this is exactly what I was talking about, guys. You you listen to me. And it's like, mate, all you did was just badmouth us to the press. You know, the car didn't suddenly get faster. It, it was faster as a product of the work we've been doing when apparently we were mid and our drivers were finding their feet. Now it's all coming together. I have faith that Alpine can do a good job this weekend and this season. But I think we have to be honest what they're doing right now is basically an in, an indictment of what they're capable of as a team. They've not put so much more resource into what they're doing than many other teams. They've probably been mid in that regard. They're mid-table. Their drivers are very, very good. So they're probably delivering on what is expected of them. And, and I don't think there's too much you can critique them on for that. If you want no, more, it's, show it's more. exactly where they should, um, should be. Or, I mean, not exactly where they should be, but the expectations of... They're not don't have the performance of the top four teams and they need to be clear of the midfield. So Alpine land is the place where they need to be and they for this season they should be happy in they're fulfilling that um spot and taking out all the tourist attractions and seeing the <laughs> I think they should, I think Everything's they should blue. be happy. But honestly, I think they should be happy about the driver dynamics going. Because let's be honest, we all expected there to be fireworks there. And both drivers are generally speaking, both delivered in their own way for the team. So if they do start getting them out together with the car even more, they're in a decent position. They've got the foundation with the relationship between the two drivers so far because if, it, if things had gone the way we expected it to, they'd have already have lost a lot of points through DNFs. Yeah. If that hasn't mm. happened. So they've already, in that aspect, they should be happy. They should be. I mean, let's be honest. Have they invested more into this than Mercedes, Ferrari, Aston Martin and Red Bull? No, they haven't. I can pretty confidently say they haven't in terms of resource because they just don't have the resource compared to those four to do that. Um, you know, McLaren, they've done a better job than McLaren. They've done a better job than the others. So if they want more, put more into it. I don't I don't really see what's so hard really to get that across. They've got the drivers. They've got some good people there and decent facilities, but they need to improve on that. You're not just going to turn up. I think, oh, well, we did our best, therefore we're going to be the best. <laughs> no, because that's what everybody's doing. And there you go. It's a meritocracy for a reason. Anyway, look, rant aside, let's move on to the predictions element of the episode. And we're going to start with the best surprise this weekend. This is reserved for the driver we think is going to surprise us the most in a good way this weekend. So, Courtney, I'm going to come to you first. Look, I know I'm guilty of this a lot but I have a two-in-one. And I feel, and this is when the uh, the old pitchforks and the uh, torches start appearing again, 
I think Lewis Hamilton's going to get a podium. Hmm. Any reason in particular? I feel that Mercedes are going to make improvements. And I, I, they generally do well in Barcelona. So putting those two things together, I expect them to have a strong, stronger weekend. Yeah, I... You know, I'm despite the fact that I was ranting about Alpine a few minutes ago, I'm going to stick with Ocon being the best surprise. I think he's got a great result. He's going to spur him on. And I think he could very much get in the top six this weekend. It might require some misfortune from some of the other teams ahead of and drivers ahead of him, but I think a top six finish isn't out of the question for him this weekend. Lee, who's your best surprise this weekend? You're going to like my surprise, Adam. Is um, Charles Leclerc is going to be my best surprise i think the upgrades they're going to bring are going to make him one happy lad um and he's going to be singing the praises and he's like this is a bar well, obviously not being red bull or anything like that but this car is so much better the, oh, the balance are oh, the oh, 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 perfect perfect he's going to be so happy um he's just going to get a nice performance out of that upgraded car this weekend i really hope so I really do, not not, not just because I'm a Ferrari fan and I obviously want Ferrari to do well every weekend, but if there's anyone over the last 18 months that needs a happy day, it's Charles Leclerc. He's had so much rubbish and bad luck thrown at him. The kid just needs a break and he deserves one and he needs something to get his season really going. I know Baku yeah. was a great result for him. We haven't had many weekends like that with Ferrari. We've not had many clean weekends this season. It's been very clumsy. He's been a part of that as well. We can't, you know, just ignore that. So I hope you're right, Lee. I really do. Flop of the weekend. I, I'm i going to go first on this one. And I'm probably going to say, as a team rather than a driver, Williams. I think okay. this is going to be a very tough weekend for Williams. I think Monaco, we saw right now, despite the fact that Williams are very good in a straight line, when there's corners involved, they really do struggle. They might prefer the fact that the final sector has been removed, so that might help them a little bit more. But I think they're going to struggle this weekend. So what you're basically saying is Williams really just want drag racing. Yes, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> Stick them in the Indy 500. Go for that. I mean, that was an incredible finish. Can you imagine? Joseph Newgarden gets on the final lap and out of nowhere, it's Alex Albon. Wins the Indy five, or maybe Logie Sargent? Who knows? That would be that would make some headlines. <laughs> Why not? Have some fun. Logan Sargent's been poor. He's been poor. Mm. Yeah, I can't really argue. <laughs> but well, I mean, I'm saying they're the flop of the weekend, so I kind of got to go along with this rather than defend <laughs> yeah. them. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Williams flop of the weekend for me. Uh, Courtney, uh, not going to be surprised to hear this, but I'm going to say Lance Stroll. I, f I feel the guy is rattled at the moment. He's really not happy of how this season is going. And with the improvements that we expect Mercedes and Ferrari to make, they're going to need them more than ever. And I feel that it's going to be Fernando Alonso. They're going to, is going to, the weight on Fernando's shoulders carrying Lance, the weight is going to be bigger than ever this weekend, I feel. What about you, Lee? I agree with Courtney. I love the weekends to be Lance Stroll. Um, with the upgrades that Ferrari bringing this weekend, um, and obviously what Mercedes brought, and obviously I know Aston Martin will probably be bringing upgrades. But I believe Lance Stroll and the pressure he's going to be putting on himself, he's going to be the wrong end of an Aston Martin sandwich with the Ferraris and Mercedes in between. And that point difference that we you mentioned earlier between Fernando and Lance would just grow bigger this weekend. Yeah, could possibly be. We'll have to wait and see though, won't we? See if uh, the Lance Stroll redemption arc, see if that takes a turn and actually gets started this weekend. We'll have to wait and see. 
pole position, the next category on here. I've got something I want to try, but I might reserve that for the race winner part. Okay. Um, so pole position. Corny, I'm going to come to you first. Easy, Max. Lee? I'm going to go out there and make you happy here, Adam, with my prediction and say Charles Leclerc. Oh, wow. I like this. I like this. I'm going Max Verstappen, though, so I'm not going to reciprocate that. As much as I would want you to be right, though, Lee. Reverse psychology, I'll see what you're doing. I've got to try it. I've been terrible with my predictions this season. Anyone that's been keeping track other than me on these is, will testify to that. This is why I wanted to save it for the race winner part, because I just had a funny feeling we weren't all going to say uh, the same driver. So race winner, I think you know where I'm going with this one. So what I'm going to do before we all say who we're going to say, I'm going to can it down like to three. And on fr- after three, I want us all to say at the same time. Now, headphones warning in case this goes horrible and it goes a bit okay. louder. So I'm going to count this down. And after f- I've counted this down, we say which driver that we think is going to be win the race this weekend. So three, two, one. Max, Max Verstappen. Max. Yeah. <laughs> that, Clip that. that. Clip that. <laughs> Clip that. Get it on the shelf. It will bang. <laughs> I'll just have please. I'll just have the wording of, of the caption just saying Max Verstappen times free rather than just Max Verstappen. <laughs> but uh please, Adam, I beg. But <laughs> that was great. Well, we tried. We have moments this season. So uh, I think we've just made one. So uh yeah, I'll definitely have to do a short for that one. Podium this one so we've got max to win all three of us who's going on the podium um courtney you already had sir lewis hamilton on the podium this weekend didn't you so uh, yeah who's the where's he finishing second or third it's gonna be mr halloumi himself sergio perez gonna go in p2 mr halloumi yeah the old side dish oh all right he's <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> more like a starter isn't it <laughs> Well, garlic bread. No, I'm thinking of what I'd get in Nando's. I'm going to stop. I'm being disrespectful. Uh, Sergio, think... Perez, <laughs> Sergio Perez second and Sir Lewis Hamilton third. Yeah, he does it more than me now. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm tempted now. I like having the halloumi. I'm kind of thinking about what I'd get at Nando's. But a uh, separate <laughs> thing. Um, well, I mean, Nando himself and Nando Alonso probably be on my podium t- this weekend. Pink P2. And to complete... Uh, the extra because it's Spain this weekend why not Carlos Sainz P3 why not Hmm. I think that'd be a quite popular podium this weekend Lee how about you mate I'm probably going to upset you with my predictions based on what I've said who's going to get full position in my prediction but P2 would be Sergio Perez and P3 would be Fernando Alonso Um, unfortunately Charles does not make the podium Oh, it's not much of a good oh, surprise, wow. then, is it? <laughs> no, he's going to be happy with the car. The surprise is <laughs> that it's good on Saturday, and then it's like Sunday, it's like, same again, here we go. You're, you're being a tease, Lee, that was naughty. <laughs> he's covering himself in case it goes wrong. Like, if it goes right one way, he's good. What's going to happen is Charles Leclerc is going to start P10, terrible qualifying, and somehow he's going to win the race, and no one's going to, it's going to be the most amazing thing, and your predictions are going to be in the mud, and you know what, I will not care, because mine will be too, but hey-ho. I'd be very happy if he comes with P10 and wins the race. <laughs> I think a lot of people probably would because they'd want to watch that race. But um, yeah, we should try and script Formula One more often and come up with some crazy stuff. Just pick the random balls out of um, what they call it, like the lottery machine. I can't remember what they call it. Tom that's Bowl- what they're trying the Tom to Bowler, do, to that's be honest. It. Yeah, get the balls out of the Tom Bowler and just pick a number. That's where you're finishing. And uh, we'll see how we go. 
best of the rest. This is reserved for the driver that finishes best outside the top four teams. So not Red Bull, Aston Martin, Ferrari and Mercedes in no particular order, of course. Um, for me, I'll go first again, Esteban Ocon. I, I He was my best surprise. I think top six for him. So yeah, I'm going to go Ocon. Lee, who are you going with? Esteban Ocon, he's going to be riding on a higher from his podium in Monaco. Um, and yeah, he's going to be coming to a circuit that they may not have the outright performance of the top four teams, but clearly, as we just mentioned in Alpine land, he's going to be happy and sailing and he's going to be going to secure a nice solid result. I like it. Courtney? As much as my British bias that I am obviously consumed with makes me want to say Lando Norris. I'm going to say Pierre Gasly. I think he's just settling in with the Alpine team and I do feel that Pierre Gasly has the extra bit of stardust compared to Esteban Ocon and I feel that Spain's a really good opportunity for drivers to start staking their claim. So I'm going to go with Pierre Gasly. It's a fun dynamic with Alpine because they're doing quite well at the moment but it always seems to be one driver is excelling the other one's just doing very well. The last time the two of them got together on the same piece of track fighting in big points is when they clashed in Melbourne. So in a weird way, it's kind of good for Alpine that one driver has a decent weekend, the other one has a really good weekend. If both of them are on the same piece of track at the same time, which admittedly we haven't seen often this Mm. season, the one example we have, it all went wrong, they probably would prefer to avoid that situation again. Yeah, they probably would prefer to avoid Australia um, all over again because that was horrible. They lost a very big point haul. Um, So... They'd be very happy to avoid that, but it's going to happen. They're going to share the same piece of track eventually this season. They can't keep avoiding each other through bad well, performances and good performances in the same yeah, weekend. Particularly if they are in a league of their own, they're obviously bound to meet on track more often than not. Well, you'd think that. I, I mean, I'm surprised they haven't met on track more often than they already have mm. done. I think it's only been one time this season. I think it's something earlier in the season. I think in Jeddah, maybe briefly, and then it kind of just went away as the race did. But um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. It's something that I think will probably happen a little bit more. Right. And I think at that point, we'll see. If, if they're far enough ahead of everybody else in the Constructors' Championship, maybe the drivers will have a little bit more license to wrestle for supremacy in the team. That's what they both want. They're the only two guests in Alpine land, so mm. they have a whole land to themselves. It's very blue there as well. So uh, <laughs> nice French All paradise. On a certain All, day. Yeah. 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 Only for the first few um, weeks of the year. And then after that, it's blue after that. It's very <laughs> seasonal at Alpine land. Um, sounds like a place I'd like to go to, but I digress. <laughs> bold predictions. As we sign off with these episodes, a bold prediction from each of us, which is worth double points on this one. So who wants to go first and give me a bold prediction for this weekend? Who's feeling brave? I'm going to say, hmm, I'm going to say, I'm, I think I might go with the old British bias. I think Lando Norris is going to have another strong weekend. I don't know exactly where he's going to finish, but I feel he's going to exceed expectations. I feel he's going to be closer to the Alpines than we might expect. I know, I know it's a boring one, but I, I, I still feel that, when I was saying about drivers taking it to the next level when you get to Spain, I think Lando's going to be one of those drivers that's going to start standing out a bit more. Okay, so how do we measure that? Should we say Lando Norris in the points? We'll say Lando Norris in the mix with the Alpines. Okay, no, I think that's fair yeah. enough. I am going to go next. 
I'm going to go a little bit different, something in qualifying. I think, and this is a bit bold, I reckon, given how it's gone this season. I'm just looking at the qualifying head-to-heads, actually, just to try and get a reference for this. And, uh, oh, it has happened, so it might happen again. Um, I'm going to go with Nick DeVries out-qualifies Yuki Tsunoda on Saturday this weekend. The current head-to-head is 5-1. to one. I can't remember if that was because Sonoda had an issue with the car or something. Someone might have to remind me. I keep thinking it might have been in Australia or something where it happened. I can't remember exactly where DeVries out-qualified Sonoda. But 5-1 down in the head-to-head. I'm going to say that DeVries... Actually, it was Jeddah. That's it. That was the race because there was reliability issues for Sonoda. So I'm going to say DeVries out-qualifies Sonoda on merit this weekend. Last couple of races, he's actually not done too badly. DeVries, as long as he keeps it out of the wall. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to ride on the wave. And I think he has a good record at Barcelona. I'm sure he's won there in F2 when he was racing oh, yeah. there. So, uh, I'm sure he did a few years ago. It was quite a few years ago. Um, i trying to think of the year it was. It wasn't the year he won it. I think it was the year after George Russell and Lando Norris graduated into Formula 1 and Alex Albon as well. Yeah. So, uh, yes, Nick DeVries to out-qualify Sonoda. That's my bold prediction this weekend. Lee... Let's uh, finish strong. What's your bowl prediction this weekend? My parole prediction is off the start, Fernando Alonso is going to make up positions from his qualifying position. So if you want to put that in the first lap, um, there's a quantifiable. Um, and obviously, I, I don't have a number for the amount of positions he's going to make up. But Would that be uh, more than one? Yeah, I would have said more than one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, when you look at the statistics this season, Fernando, um, I don't think, I mean, I don't want to say he's not been the best starter because he's started quite high up the grid quite often. But um, I'll tell you what, that's going to look really hilarious when Fernando Alonso puts it on pole on Sunday morning in front of a home (laughs) crowd. He's starting on pole, he's like, there goes my bowl prediction. He can only go down. But, uh, well, we'll see. Maybe we might get a repeat of 2013. When he had that electric start from what was it fourth on the grid, and he overtook the Red yep. Bulls as well. That that was great that day. So uh, yeah, maybe we see that again from Fernando, and we're going to see a lot of green this week and a mix of green and red. So uh, anybody that's due an eyesight test, well, that's going to be quite useful when they see all of that to see which one's sharper. For anyone who gets that reference, any opticians out there? Bad jokes aside, um, I think there's probably a good way to finish this one off. Um, guys, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel if you watch this on YouTube. And as mentioned before, don't forget, leave us a five-star review on your favorite pod platform. It really does help us out a lot. Get involved in the conversation as well on YouTube, in the comment section. Let us know your bold predictions and, of course, your opinions on some of the talking points that we mentioned earlier on. But of course, guys, until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you for the Spanish Grand Prix review. So until then, stay safe and we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. And remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care, guys. Podcast Network.